Hello and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas, and in today's episode, we are talking about comparison as it shows up in mothering, motherhood, and parenthood. I am so thrilled to share my guest with all of you today. Her name is Elsa, and she's a certified nurse midwife. And oh my goodness, are you going to fall in love with her? I, gosh, I wish that she had been my midwife for my first birth. I was in such a space of needing everything to be really controlled. I had a very rigid birth plan. I had all these really high, unrealistic expectations as it related to birth and postpartum and becoming a mom. And honestly, I think that if I had had her by my side, gosh, she just feels like a breath of fresh air and like she's just hugging you even just by talking to you. And that's exactly what I needed. So I'm so excited to share her with all of you. Before we jump in and get started, I did want to mention for any of you who are listening who might have young children around, we do talk about Santa and the Easter Bunny in this episode, so you might want to put on some headphones. All right, I can't wait to share her and our conversation with all of you, so let's get to it. listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, mom to three, and I support mamas just like you who want a supported, loving, and arrested postpartum so that you can flourish in that first year with baby. In this podcast, I'm sharing my conversations with perinatal experts from around the world and with parents who've been through it. While I hope that this podcast is supportive to you, it is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed health provider. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Hello, Elsa. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I am so excited to get a chance to connect with you off of Instagram and in real time. <laughs> How are you doing today? And I'm thanks for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. Are you kidding me? I'm honored. I'm like, who really wants to know any more about me? I feel like it's all out there already. So this is such a privilege. <laughs> well, just in case there's someone listening and tuning in who hasn't had a chance to connect with you on social media, can you share a little bit with us about your work and a little bit about you? Sure. So I'm a twin mom. I'll say that my daughters are 22 years old. Um mm-hmm. They're, they're slowly aging me, I think. Um, but anyway, <laughs> on top of being mom, which is probably one of my greatest titles, I'm also an advanced nurse practitioner, a midwife. Um, no, that does not mean I do deliveries at home. I work strictly in a hospital setting and also in a clinical setting. Um, I take care of women across their entire lifespan from, you know, as teenagers starting to get their periods or before and all the way through menopause when we say goodbye to our period and we start to experience these newfound changes. Um, I'm also a military spouse, a proud military spouse. Um, mm-hmm. Another title I wear with as a badge. Um, yeah, and that's just a little bit about me. So two girls, a, a hubby who's in the military, and I travel you know, for work once a month. I go to the same location. And cool thing is I'm actually the first midwife in that area as well. So I'm the first midwife they've had in this new, in this hospital. So wow. comes with challenges. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I'm sure it does though, kind of coming into a system that, you know, being the first for anything, mm-hmm. you kind of have 
pave the way. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think being in my 40s helps because there's certain things that I think if I was younger would definitely bother me, you know, and I just think you, yeah. you let things kind of roll off. You start to have a sense of self and, and what that means. And you just kind of say, you know, sometimes, you know, when we come at other people, it's not so much about them. It's more so about us. So I, I tend to put that into perspective and just say, okay, mm -hmm. well, I'll show you where we're at. And I think that what you just said is going to be very relevant for the topic we're talking yeah. about today. But what I first want to say is that I think, you know, you saying you wear being a partner, a military partner with a as a badge of honor, I think you, as you should. Thank you for your sacrifice yeah, as a partner, you. right? I was also I, I active duty it. too. I'm a veteran as well. Oh my gosh. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for your service and yeah. for your sacrifices that, that, I, that I'm sure you've had to make. Um, thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so excited to dive in to our topic today. So yes. we are talking about mom shaming comparison in motherhood. And I also want to, you know, not everyone identifies as mom who might be tuning in. And so parents in general, right, are going to, mm -hmm. are also susceptible, mm -hmm. anyone susceptible to experiencing the, the mm -hmm. shaming and judgment, and then also that internalized comparison. Mm -hmm. So talk yeah. to us a little bit about this subject and why this is something that when you and I were connecting and exploring topics, why mm -hmm. was this something that kind of really came up for you as something you'd like to explore with me? I think, uh, Cassidy, because when I think of when I see patients and I literally refer to it as pulling the curtain back, I step into the room and I'm not just a provider. I'm not just looking at things for physically what she may be experiencing. I'm also talking to her psychosocially, um, psychologically, you know, what she's experiencing being a new mom or a mom-to-be. And I mm -hmm. hear a lot of women, like, I hear this uncertainty. And while books are fantastic, right, they also are just small clips. And they end up, like, really being embedded in their mind and, like, how they are going to be perceived by society and what they need to be doing to also fit into that picture. And mm. who wants to admit that, right? Like, it's kind of hard to be like, you see these pictures even on social media and you're like, I, I want to be that mom. But first yeah. it started with Pinterest, right? And it's like, I've always said it. I was never that Pinterest mom. I mean, it would come to birthdays. Like I spoiled my daughters, but I did it in the way that I knew how, right? Mm -hmm. And and times I did fall into the trap, the comparison trap. I fell into it with friends. And I, and I do want to say for any of my friends that raise kids alongside of me, this is not a bash at any of you. I feel that mm. we grow and I definitely want to help other moms that may acknowledge or identify some of these feelings. So definitely not um, putting any friends down because I, I experienced some difficulties with friendships, um, whether it was maybe what I felt or, you know, my mm. insecurity that I was probably projecting or wanting to see in my kid or kids it was just such a, it was a learning experience and it still is. Um, mm. It's like a check. It was like a check off for me, you know, to be like, Hey, you know, it's okay if they do don't, they'll do all those things, but you know, starting off when the girls are little or even when women are pregnant, they, again, looking at the books, they're looking at other moms, they're starting to compare themselves with the bellies. Like <laughs> let's start from the beginning. You know, you're going, 
oh my gosh, my girlfriend, she only gained 15 pounds. And I'm like, who's talking about that? Your body is your body. Your body is very different. We're going to talk about what the projected weight or weight gain that we think we should see in you, not about your friends. So I tell them, leave your friends, your aunties, everybody at the door, because guess what? I don't care what any of them have to say. Okay. Mm. Yeah. And I want to individualize the care. Yeah. You know what? When it comes to comparison, here's the thing is that we are wired to compare. And you you said something really key here, right? It's like this is a brand new thing. So you go to the books, you look, you look outward to see, mm-hmm. well, what are others doing? Mm-hmm. And this makes a lot of sense. Whenever mm-hmm. we walk into a brand new situation, let's say you walk into a new job, right? A new mm-hmm. Um, a new, it's a new job culture. And so you walk in and you look around to see, okay, first, in order mm-hmm. to learn the spoken and unspoken rules of this new mm-hmm. position, this new job, this new environment, this new space, mm-hmm. this new group, I'm going to look around and I'm going to see what others are doing. Mm -hmm. And in that space, we naturally compare, oh, Mm -hmm. okay. So the way that I'm, the way that I typically speak or act or respond is this way, but this is how I'm seeing people do it in this new role and situation. And so, you know, we're wired to compare. It's how we navigate new experiences. It's how we learn how to acclimate, you know, to a new Mm -hmm. experience, how to find our our role, our position. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, um, a lot of times in parenthood, mm-hmm. like you said, there's the books, which mm-hmm. can be very educational. And, and I think there's nowadays, there's also more books coming out there that really do, as I love how you said it, kind of like lift the curtain of what yeah, yeah. And the challenges. But I think especially while we are getting more of those and we have more access to resources in that way, Mm -hmm. we also have access to, like you mentioned, is Instagram, social media, the internet, right? And Mm -hmm. so we go on to now, now, not not just the friends that we have in our lives and obviously comparison can show up there um, as well as judgment, but now we have access to hundreds of thousands of millions of billions other parents and we don't know them like we don't know what really happens in their home or um you know but we have access to the photos videos Mm -hmm. images that they care to share and the words that they care to share or the Mm -hmm. parts of their lives that they decide to share which obviously is going to be very um curated Mm -hmm. and filtered and Oh my gosh. And then we, so then we, we walk into, we enter parenthood, motherhood with some ex, with these expectations of ourselves that are, can be very unrealistic. I know for me, Instagram was barely a thing when I first gave birth. Um, Mm -hmm. my oldest is nine. I don't, I mean, I think Instagram was around, but I don't know if I was on it. Um, Facebook definitely was. And, you know, and I was the first of my friends to have a baby. So I was really looking mm-hmm. outside of my social circle to try to find other moms. Right. And I really expected motherhood to start off a lot differently. I had a very, mm-hmm. very rigid idea of what birth was going to look like. Right. And 
really high expectation of what those first few moments of right um, me too with my child was going to look like, me and too. it was a hot exactly. mess. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I'm right there with you. Totally. You know, and I was in nursing school when I got when I got pregnant with the twins, right? And I was like, I just. I was just in my own world and I was on a scholarship because I was on a ROTC scholarship and it was like, there's no way you're going to be able to do this, you know? And I was mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, watch me, you know, mm-hmm. highest grades that term. But the thing is, is that even um, going to have the girls, I, I was so at risk for like preeclampsia, gestational diabetes. And you know what I just said? I dispel all of these things. This isn't going to happen to me. So mm-hmm. I'm really so thankful that I didn't get hung up on those things, even though here I am in school and I'm hearing it. And like, people would tell me, you're going to have preterm labor. You're going to deliver them early. And I was just like, nah, it's not going to happen to me. I'll be good. I'm fine. And I literally went to 36 weeks, but I say that because one of the things, and I have a lot of patients that are, uh, I hate saying that, that they just have a, a very, um, a specific way they think about their birth plan. And it'll be their first baby. And they really have no idea of the entire situation. And I Girl, say, that was me. That was yeah. me. That was me. I had a very, and, and I those, for my first a very rigid idea of what birth was going to look like. I was yeah. so, and I was, I mean, I was like, here's my birth plan. I need you to, I like had my doctors scan into my records right. as if like that was going to make it happen. Make it happen. <laughs> and they had that control. Exactly. And I, and I tell patients, you know, some of them I'm just meeting just as they're going to labor. And I'm like, I, hi, I'm Elsa. I'm your midwife. And I'm also your new best friend. And I am here to as much as possible make this, you know, I've seen a lot of birth. I've done, you know, probably close to 2000 now, like let me walk you through some of the things that will work. I will walk you through things that might not have actually been in your birth plan. You just have to be open. And I discussed this with women even beforehand, before they go into labor, you know, I'm talking seven months pregnant. I want to know what you're thinking, but a lot of it is because it, you're in a very vulnerable position, right? You're, you're scared. And so the only way you really know how to control those is control those things that you think you can control, which you really can't. I can't control those things either, to be quite honest. You right. know? That was exactly it for me, is it was fear. Right. I was 26 years old. Well, yeah, no, I was 25 when I got pregnant and then gave birth to her when I was 26. Mm-hmm. I was the first of my friends. I was somebody who was also like just naturally mm-hmm. um, very type A, a recovering perfectionist and mm. striving this, but when it came to a situation like birth and I was terrified, but instead of, and I was a therapist, like you were talking about how you're like, I was, you know, studying to be, you know, to be a nurse practitioner, but I I was a therapist. It's like, I still, still got hooked into letting fear jump in the driver's seat. Understandably. Mm -hmm. So like I go, I look back and I just want to like scoop myself up Mm -hmm. and like hug her past me because she was so scared. Mm -hmm. And so she had this one idea of what the birth could look like. Mm -hmm. And the reason was because at the end of the day, I want to be, I wanted to be a good mom. And this Mm -hmm. felt like my first job as a good mom, you know? Right. Right. Protecting and and exactly. Yes. And so I had this one idea of what I wanted to look like and it didn't, it did not go that way. I'm the same way. Mm -hmm. Yep. I have a whole podcast episode just about those birth stories if people want to tune into that. But like at the end, and then afterwards, oh my gosh, the amount of 
shame that I felt, like my right. body was broken, like I failed yeah. my daughter. And then I would go, once I healed, I had a belly birth. And once I healed and was able to go into, um, I went to some breastfeeding support groups and, you know, we would go around in the circle and people would share about their births and I would hear others' stories and it was a space where we didn't know each other. So, you know, it takes people a while to really open up and mm-hmm. be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And in the, in the moments, I just felt like, gosh, I, I like, I can't let them see that I failed. Right. Mm-hmm. Or that like, this Aww. is what kind of judgment am I going to feel? Cause I was feeling it towards mm-hmm. myself. Like mm-hmm. that little voice, I was judging myself. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was afraid of what that would how that would show up in the context of meeting new moms mm-hmm. and trying to connect. And, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, that the shame spiral and, and shame loves isolation. Like if you just like secrecy mm-hmm. and isolation, keep it to yourself. And like, it just festers in that space. And oh, it's such I, a I love that. Yeah. You're space. so right about that. And I, and I hear that even from women, like it's interesting the things that we do. And I don't think women for the most part aren't trying to be, catty when they're like bragging about something which who gives right it's just what I tell my patients I'm like who cares I, I literally almost like you could say I'm I do that tough love and I like smack them up and I'm like <laughs> guess what girl we're gonna have a healthy baby and I don't know which way that's gonna go it might be mm-hmm. vaginal it might be belly but we're just gonna roll with it because we're gonna have mm-hmm. a healthy baby and that's the end outcome you know and mm-hmm. I've had some that get so stuck on the delivery and I'm like you do realize the outcome is a baby, right? Like that's what we really want. Right. Oh. Okay. So that's what we're working towards. I didn't. I didn't have like a birth plan. I'm, But that's just my personality type as well. I just am like spontaneous. We'll just roll with it. And I will say to you, I still had like the girls were born. They were 36 weeks and four days or three days. And I had, this was back, um, they checked my amnesia because I was like contracting. And he was like, let's see if the lungs are mature. So they did an amniocentesis right there in the hospital. And they came back and they said, oh, yeah, the lungs are mature. Let's go. And so then the doctor breaks my bag of water. Mind you, I've been contracting like the entire pregnancy. I was on home monitoring. You, you name it. Like I, you, want a, you want a good mm. pregnancy war story, I have it. Whatever. So literally then he breaks my water and I go, you know what? I changed my mind. I really don't think this is a good idea right now. And I literally like got up out of the bed and I'm walking to the door. <laughs> Wait, no, that's not how it works. No, that's not how it works. I was like, I changed my mind. I really, this today is just not going to be a good day after like wanting it for all those days. So the reason why I say that is because then when the girls were born and, and I won't go into detail because you've talked about this in other podcasts, I didn't feel that instant bonding. I didn't have that like magical moment. Like they put them on me and I was like, ew, can you go clean these up? They're like wet dogs on me right now. I did not oh have that. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> Thank you yeah. for saying that. I, I'm totally the opposite. And I was like, okay. And then I didn't even think about breastfeeding. Like I didn't even read mm-hmm. about it. And I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. And my mom was like, just try. And, she, mm-hmm. and I tried it and I was like, huh, that's kind of, okay. I think I'll give it a whirl. Mind you, yeah. I went back to school two weeks after having my twins. I was working and went back to school. So I didn't have the luxury of staying home to even like truly you know, have this in-depth bonding time that a lot of women do. I don't know if it's good. I don't know if it's bad. That's just my story. You see what I'm saying? But my point is, is that I felt immediately when they were born, one of them had a hard time maintaining her blood sugar, which is common, you know, with smaller babies. They're like five, four and five, seven, Um, Mm -hmm. which was nothing that I had anything to do with. But 
If I wouldn't have let them do the amnio, if I wouldn't have let them break my water, then my baby wouldn't have been born early and she wouldn't have had mm-hmm. a hard time controlling her temperature and her blood sugar. Oh my goodness. I, I stink as a mom. My first few hours of life and I've already failed. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So yeah. we start to have this internal dialogue, right? And so then when we hear someone else, someone else's story, then that's where we end up comparing it to them. And then starts this cycle that we are doing this comparison game. And then it goes mm. into, well, my baby, yeah, my, I solely breastfeed. I, mm. It just, I can't even tell you how it just angers me because I'm like, so what? Like my, again, my take is like breastfed, not breastfed. Are you holding your baby? Are you, mm. are you providing that, that consistent mm. love to that girl? You doing all right. You are doing just fine. Mm. That's my take on things. Not about mm. you should solely breastfeed. Not about you should solely bottle feed. You should have a belly birth. You should have, whatever works for you. We are all different. I am here to support women in their lifespan from trying to conceive through motherhood to the, even the end, you know, not even, I don't want to say menopause is the end, but to the end of life. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like when things start getting way inelastic and things start drooping down and the, ceiling start caving in. I'm there for you too, girl, you know? (laughs) So it's just, you know, and so I look at it and I remember I got off of Facebook when my daughters were applying to college. Why? Like, I'm going to have this solo conversation right now. Why? Because all you saw on there were the moms like, oh, Juliet got accepted. And not only did she get, she got a full scholarship. And I started to feel like, and I remember coming home and even in my, if I wasn't saying it directly to the girls, I was saying it in a conversation and you know what? They're hearing these things. And then what are they hearing? I'm not enough to my mom. I'm not good enough. And I would say to them, no, that's not, that's not at all what I mean, but it's, but I was still saying it. You know what I mean? And looking at other moms and like, so-and-so's kid did this. So is those kids. And you know what? Here's the thing, Cassidy. You realize you think you have control over the way those kids are going to turn out. I'm here to tell you, you don't. So give it up, girl. Just give it up. Roll with it. Enjoy them as their personality starts to blossom and flourish. And realize that they are going to be who they're going to be. And they're going to do what they're going to do. Just make sure that you're giving them that love, that consistency of care. And they're going to be all right. Oh my goodness. Okay. So much here that there's so much you said here that I want to go back and touch on. Okay. So, so, okay. So first, like you were talking about the like exclusive breastfeeding, like having Mm -hmm. this certain birth that you had imagined, having those, that first magical bonding moment and just feeling Mm -hmm. immediately connected to your baby. Mm -hmm. And Okay. So it's funny. I, you know, I say that I want to go back and scoop myself up and, and like give myself a hug mm-hmm. during that first postpartum, well, pregnancy, birth and postpartum. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's interesting now having the perspective, like I just had another baby uh, seven months ago and I have a nine-year-old and a six-year-old. But so I have this big gap between my first mm-hmm. and my last. And it's so, it's so interesting, the perspective I have right now. Mm-hmm having been through it before. Mm-hmm. And obviously that experience became the muse mm-hmm. <laughs> after we right. um, through the work that I do now. But I wish I could bottle up that perspective because it's like, now, now 
I'm like, there's there's days where I'm like, hey, I think all my kids ate today were ice cream and ketchup. You know? Mm Yeah. It's like if I could go back to myself then and like the idea of like the exclusive breastfeeding, right? Mm. It's like the exclusive word. I mean, even it's interesting. We we went to our pediatrician checkup um, for the seven-month-old for her six-month checkup. And one of the first questions they asked are like, are you exclusively breastfeeding? And I'm like, right. can we ask that? I mean, it's like, right. can we just have a different way of asking? Of asking like, it because it already has like implying if you say no, not exclusive – you're being shamed, right? It's like, it's not enough. And yeah. like, it's like, come on, like these become these measuring sticks right. of like, well, right. they, they become internalized measuring sticks. Like even if that nurse isn't going to judge me like herself, it's just like the way she's asking the question, because that's the question on the piece of paper. Mm-hmm. But I already am developing, I could be developing this internalized mm-hmm. measuring stick of what right. a quote unquote good mother does Mm -hmm. and if I have to answer like that question no um or you know gosh like not at all right Mm -hmm. like it's what does that mean then Mm -hmm. about me and I'm like you know now I'm like sometimes the kids I'll see my son eating a chicken nugget Mm -hmm. in the back I'm like wait we didn't we didn't go to McDonald's today and it's like yes I I heard you say that on the other podcast yeah I would listen to (laughs) That was funny. You're like, oh, good. He's got yeah, some like, protein today, you know? He got some but, protein. Yeah. You know? but that's, he, that's good. That's <laughs> like, so funny. I don't know. But if I could just bottle up the perspective of oh. like. Well, that's what comes with day, age, right? That's why they say as the wise are the, you know, are older. But I, I'll even one up you if, and not in a yeah, bad way. But like we do this in, when you're about to deliver. Like women are like, I I I can't get an epidural. And when I think about it, I like I go, these are just for like one liners in a conversation one day. So they're like, I just I can't get an epidural. I'm like, why, girl? If you want an epidural, get one. If you don't want one, don't get one. I'll give you a certificate. I'll say whatever it is you want me to say. However you want, I'll make it happen for you. I was literally thinking of like getting like these gold badges or something for my patients to give them one every time. Girl, it is okay. For what? So that you're in a group with moms and you're doing these mommy and me stuff and you're like, oh yeah, I didn't get an epidural. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, good for you. Sorry you suffered so much. You know, like, I just don't, those, that's another way of shaming moms. Oh my gosh. Just yeah. even in the beginning. So we have to be very careful. And I say we, because even myself, there's things that we've heard for so long that we don't even realize might not be a nice Thing to say or might not be received well because we don't know the stories of what these women have been through, right? Exactly. I'll That's give you an exactly example. It. You don't know my story. I don't know your story. So we should be, you know, it's kind of like people saying, are you guys going to have any babies? You don't know if I've been trying. Like, right. it's just not the question. We have to wait and see what people offer. And I think in our society, we just don't know to shut up. I mean, of course, as I'm like rambling on. But we need to step back and re- and really listen, right? And oh then gosh. we draw from exactly. that. But exactly, it's it's the other thing. Like I've learned here recently that I said to, and I I was I, I got to pat myself on the back this one because I was like, oh, I didn't realize I've been doing that. You know this thing when people see a baby and they're like, oh my gosh, you better enjoy this because it's not gonna last, and you'll want this one day. As the kids like freaking screaming or like having a um, huge temper tantrum, and you're like, really, lady? Like you freaking cheese to tell me that right now? As my kid is like embarrassing me, and I'm mortified here in the middle of Target. 
I don't, I don't say that anymore. And, and I know that where I'm coming from is not from an, a bad place. It comes from a place I'm unpacking my stuff that I miss my kids. I miss right. my kids being in the house. I miss mm. them being young. So I see a woman with younger kids and I'm like, oh, you better enjoy it, girl. And she's looking at you like, really? Because I didn't even get to brush my teeth today. And you're telling mm. me I need to enjoy it? Yeah. Mm. So yeah. I'm very cautious with saying that now as well. I know that it doesn't. And, and I've, I had to apologize recently to my best friend. I said, I'm really sorry that I've said that to you before. And she was like, mm. where did that come from? I was like, because it's implying like it, it's putting more guilt and shame on you when there are days that really do stink in parenthood, in motherhood. So I'm right. sorry for that because you don't need any additional burden. Right. Because the days can be long, but the years are short, right? Yeah. And I think that what I love, I love that you just shared that because I think that it's also helpful to hear it from the perspective of the person who says that, right? Because there could mm-hmm. be a family member mm-hmm. who is always saying, you know, saying things like you need to enjoy it. And mm-hmm. like in those moments, how I might interpret it as a mom with young children mm-hmm. is that I'm like, well, I, yeah, you're right. I should be enjoying it. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not right now in this moment. And mm-hmm. like, I should be, and therefore right. there must be something wrong with me. And there, right. there opens the doorway to that shame spiral. Mm-hmm. But what I love that you're, what you're saying here is the importance of being able to stop, pause and understand the context, right? Mm-hmm. Like taking an opportunity to listen to each other's stories, to really, right. really listen. Yeah. Really listen. And even, you know, if somebody like you saying, like, if you're, if someone like you is saying, oh, enjoy it. Like what you're sharing here is that, hey, on the back end of this, like the the kind of luggage baggage I'm bringing along with mm-hmm. me as I'm saying this is that my kids, your, you, your kids are 22 and mm-hmm. like you, like, gosh, like you probably, like, I don't know, tell me if I'm wrong here, but I imagine the idea yeah. maybe for you of being um, quarantined with your kids when they were right, you know, right. Baby, Little two, three, four. You, right. you you would maybe give anything to have a day like that mm-hmm. for them to just be back in your home and to just have that time. But if you were to say that to someone who's in it during this pandemic, yeah, um, that and would like, not gosh, go over well. To have that right, like yeah. to have a day like that with them, or they'd be like, yeah, maybe a day, but like try <laughs> giving right. three hundred sixty-five days. Right, but that's a good point. Feel bad about yourself, for yeah. Not <laughs> And, and remember, I'm coming from a point that I haven't had it in so long. So I'm seeing this and I'm like, I'm not remembering all those bad days, right? When they are like not taking a nap and screaming and crying in the middle of the store. Like that seems so far removed to me. But I, I see this and I hear it from other women. And I'm like, oh, we shouldn't be saying those things. Because I do yeah. really try to be cautious with period. as Not even just as far as motherhood or parenthood. Like, period, women shaming, you know, which is another reason why I'm so active on my Instagram. I I don't just do, I do a Women's Health Wednesday, right? Every Wednesday I pick a topic, mm-hmm. which I never thought I'd have enough topics and like blown me away. Mm-hmm. But also talking to women about developing a relationship, not only with their provider, but also an awareness with yourself, right? And looking right. at your, your body, because we're so used to, again, looking in books and looking at magazines and everyone's a certain type. And then it's like, you measure yourself according to that. Like, I don't look like that, but you'll order this dress that you saw on someone who's very different body type. Mm -hmm. And then you get it. And what do I say? 
I tell people, don't let clothes hurt your feelings. Put that thing back in. Sh- get rid of it. Don't let, don't let clothes hurt your feelings. Put that yeah. thing back. Put it back. I don't, I don't, I just, I mean, I'm in such a good place in my life where I'm just like, I don't have time to waste on silly things that I used to beforehand. This mm. is the body that I have. This is the one that God gave me. I'm going to honor her and I'm going to dress mm. her in the way that respects her and, and aligns with my mentality. Hey there, your host, Dr. Cassidy, popping into this episode with a quick message for those of you who are postpartum in the thick of it. If you are resonating with some of the challenges and experiences that we're touching on in this episode, I've got you covered. Did you know that I have a course called Flourish in the First Year? I teamed up with a board-certified OBGYN to create this self-paced digital course for those of you who are postpartum with little ones 0 to 12 months, where we cover everything from sleep to breastfeeding to identity and body changes. There's a mom guilt lesson in there for those of you who want to hook unhook yourself from that mom guilt shame spiral, an anti-anxiety toolkit, as well as a libido lab. We truly believe that you can be a fantastic mother without losing yourself in the process. We know that adjusting to motherhood can be tough and you don't need to do it alone. You can learn more about Flourish in the first year at the link in the show notes. All right, let me take you back into the episode. And I've enjoyed that. that you're referring to your body as her. Um, mm-hmm. I have a, another podcast episode where we talk about, um, you know, body love and one of the like pieces of advice that this therapist had recommended was referring to like start talking to your body as she or her. Oh, I do. Yeah. Identify with. And like, would you, if you start to do that and you really humanize your body Mm -hmm. and then you start talking to yourself or saying things about your body that the negative stuff that you've been doing Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden though you're referring to your body as she, her, him, his, Mm -hmm. them, like, all of a sudden it's like, oof, that's a little harder, right? right? Like now I really have to sit with how am I talking to my body in mm-hmm. those ways? And like where where does that sort of sit with me and and, and can do I need to start to shift this? Yeah. Right. So I love that you right. just did that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So I just I don't know. These so these are things that I've learned and I've seen. And I guess because I'm around women all the time, you know, and mm-hmm. again lifting the curtain, moving the curtain, I I hear them and I'm like, are you telling your friends that? But they're not. They're again. They're afraid to be judged. They're afraid to admit that maybe they don't like motherhood as much. There's some women. It mm-hmm. takes a while. And I've said can this I on share, my Instagram can too. Can I share yeah. a story with you? Yeah. The other day, that was just. I was so. This was like one of those mom moments where I was like, you know what? I screw up every dang day. I apologize mm-hmm. all the time, but like once in a while, I get it right. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'm doing. Okay, well, because the other day my daughter comes home and she goes, "Oh, I was like, how's your day? You know, we we always do like, what's your highlight, low light, diamond in the rough?" And um, she says, "Well, she's like, here's my diamond in the rough, which means like it was mm-hmm. kind of bad, but then turned out okay, mm-hmm. um, or I thought it was going to be bad." So she's standing in line um, with her friends, and somebody says, um, "Ew, who stinks? Someone smells." And her her friend, her guy friend next to her is like, not me. I took two showers yesterday, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Riley, um, my daughter, she um, kind of, she's like, raises her hand. She's like, you know what, guys? Has anyone here heard of puberty? 
Oh. And, and then her friends go, you know, she says, she's like, everyone looked at me, they're like, yeah, yeah. She's like, well, I think I might be starting to go through it and I've been needing to wear deodorant and I forgot to wear deodorant today. So, you know what? It's probably me. Um, and oh my yeah, gosh. She just like owned it. And then she was like, she's like, you know, if, and if anyone has any questions about it, you could always ask me or you could ask a trusted adult at home. Like this is literally oh my gosh. what she says, she says to her friends. And I, and let me tell you. I would have cried. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Let me, and let me tell you a little bit of context of why this moment just really stuck out to me. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, so I have like the, a core memory from grade school um, when I did some of my own um, trauma work um, after having a traumatic birth. I did mm-hmm. EMDR and actually a lot of these memories from middle school, elementary school came up as I was doing that work. Mm-hmm. And one of these memories is um, it was a school dance and this boy that I had a crush on asked me to dance and I was shocked because he was a little older and he never really talked to me. And then come to find out later that he had been dared to ask me to dance because everybody, I guess I, I was, there was people said that I smelled, I was smelly and that he was dared to ask the smelly girl to dance. And so this her sharing this with me meant wow. so much to me on so many levels because mm-hmm. you know when I was going through those and she's going through she's going through some of this stuff much earlier than I did mm-hmm. but um, I was going through it and I didn't like and my parents like they are great parents but we didn't like they didn't mm-hmm. talk to me about deodorant like mm-hmm. I kind of had to figure that out on my own mm-hmm. <laughs> through that experience that like hey mm-hmm. I guess I smell and like what do I do about that you know mm-hmm. um I don't really talk to me about like that kind of hygiene stuff and until until it was almost like not too late but until it got to the point where I was like felt ashamed right and like mm-hmm. gosh why hadn't nobody why didn't anyone talk to me about this like is this something mm-hmm. that I should be ashamed of but for her she there was a moment where she could have felt embarrassed or she could have felt like, or or it could have turned into something where people are talking behind her back. And and you know what? I told her they still could, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, like you owned that. Yeah. She shut that down. That's what she really did. (laughs) And also, like, and guess what? You're all going to go through it too. So if you have any questions, I'm happy to answer them. Or you oh should also gosh. go talk to a trusted adult at home. I'm like, oh That's my so God. much sure. You did a good job. Oh, I mean, hey, I, I like, I mess up every day, but like once in a while, I'm like, you know what? Wow. We're, that's we're amazing. That's but, awesome. Um, gosh, I just, I loved like, so, so for me, it was like, she is honoring that her body is going through something right mm-hmm. now and this is natural and there's nothing mm-hmm. to be ashamed not of. at all and not at all go through it too but like but you know kids can be so cruel and mean yes, and they can. Amen. i just they was can. so proud of her in that moment that like in our home we are doing our best mm-hmm. our best not perfect gosh mm-hmm. far from perfect but doing our best <laughs> we're doing a good enough job which is the goal to right to let her know that like there is no to not feel ashamed of her body and the things beautiful. that her body that is goes beautiful. through right the smells yeah. the experiences the aches the the ups and downs like it is part of there's nothing to be ashamed of the, the fact that she, her body has hormones is a beautiful thing that Amen. we wouldn't have life without Amen. her hormones you know so yeah and you know what perfect is overrated really 
Because oh once God, you reach yeah. that level, that's what's expected of you all the time. So I don't ever want to be perfect. I, it, it would just take away too much for me. I couldn't. It did for me for, for so much of my life. Perfect perfection took yeah. so much joy. It's, just, it's too much. I, I can't life. focus on that. I just honestly, what, what guides me through life is I just want to be happy. Like I'm always searching for that next laugh. I'm always like, you know, yeah. so yeah. that's, but that's beautiful. I mean, applying Riley at her, you know, young age of what, nine. And yet yeah. we are, I'm still dealing with this with women, you know, in their late forties, fifties. It's like, I, I'm doing a talk even on menopause and it's like, Oh, just, we cringe because we think it's like the end of the life and it's not, I mean, sure. You lose the estrogen that you so much did not like during your lifetime. Right. You didn't realize how nice she really was to you until you get to menopause and you're like, Hey girl, I think every woman should write a letter to estrogen and say, I'm really sorry. The things I said about you, because we've all said unkind things to her, right. About her. Yeah. You know, and you didn't realize she was moisturizing. She was keeping oh. that skin nice and taut. She was very nice to us. And yet now we're like, girl, I'm so sorry. You're gone. <laughs> and I wish women would be more readily accepted. I mean, we can help. We can help women. We can, you know, change some of those vasomotor symptoms or like hot flashes or the vaginal inelasticity that happens. We can help you just be open and accept her for where she's at and talk to your provider, talk mm. to your friends. You know, nowadays, I mean, of course I haven't gotten together with women in a long time, but I'd be sitting there and I'm like, Oh, here we go. The lack of estrogen talk again, you know, and everybody's asking me all these questions and I'm like, I really don't want to do this right now. <laughs> I am, I am dying because I like one of my like I love the intervention mm -hmm. of writing a letter. I think writing a, writing letters to writing a letter to mm -hmm. someone who has passed away, writing a letter mm -hmm. to a parent, um, or writing a letter to someone in your life, and maybe you'll never send it, but the things you wish that you could say, right. writing a letter to your past self, to things that you needed to hear, right? Um, and now we're writing a letter to estrogen, and I am here <laughs> for it. I am here for it. I am writing a letter to estrogen, and Write I am a going to. to her. Give her some love before she packs up her bags. Before she packs up her bags, yeah. Because guess what? She's gonna pack up. Her, she's packing up her bags with everyone, and it's such a lonely. Oh, again, like I just, started, I huh? just started my period postpartum mm -hmm. two days ago, so I am on my period right now for the first time in a very long time, and I was cursing. Really. <laughs> cursing. I was like, no, I'm not ready for this because this is our, my last baby. And so I'm oh, like, I'm going to have, like, you know, yeah. my period until I don't. And who knows when that's going to be. But, oh, I'm so this, what you're sharing right now is reminding me that like, mm -hmm. you know what, this, this part of me will not be here forever. Right. And she's not all bad. <laughs> well, listen to what you said. Another key thing. We have to be real cautious with the words, isn't it? I'm not the therapist at all. I maybe I think I am in some form of life. And I could provide a lot of therapy for myself. Honorary, honorary therapist. Yeah. But like when you said my last baby, so then look at that pressure you're putting on yourself just oh. even saying that. Yeah. Your mm. last one. So, you know, any little thing that you don't do right, you're going to feel this guilt. Oh my goodness. Like, 100%. Oh, that pressure of, mm -hmm. and like, I think about, you know, the last time that we nurse and like, I just, 
Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Oh, pressure. You're mm-hmm. so right. It's there, whether it's, whether it's your first or last, but like mm-hmm. I, knowing that like, this is our last baby. Mm-hmm. And unless, unless the powers above have other plants. Right, <laughs> right, right. With right. that 2% chance, that's, I guess, right. I don't know. But um, it's, oh, it's the pressure. Daunting. It is. It's, it's pressure. And, and I, Let's face it, this pressure is going to come regardless, right? This comparison is going to be here through motherhood. It's going to be here. I mean, it's still there, even for my kids. Like, they graduated college in May. Granted, they, I can't even say they graduated. They graduated college in May during COVID, which totally sets them back, right? And I'm just like, oh my goodness. But I don't want to be that nagging mom. So I've learned a lot, even. I'm like, okay, so where are you at? Like, what are you thinking? I call that different kind of parenting. Culturally, I'm Hispanic, right? I'm Dominican. And so we're a little more aggressive. Like, we're not like coddling. We're not like, we're like, what are you doing, girl? Like, what is the plan? <laughs> I'm, I'm half Hispanic. And so oh, I have, okay. I definitely have that half of my family. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And there's, there's a little, there's a little, that shows up for sure. Yeah, it's not as like coddling. So my technique was always very different. I would see other moms and I would be like, oh, yeah, I'm not doing that. You know, I'm not that Pinterest mom. And then it was like one day I just was like, yeah, that's just not me. But I have other things that I do that are so beneficial to my daughters. You know, I have an amazing relationship with them. They talk to me. You know, my daughter, she's like, mom, you're my best friend. And and that's mm-hmm. a juggle in itself when you're parenting because it's like, right. am I their friend or am I their mom? And that balance is so mm-hmm. hard to, to come to. There's another topic for you there. <laughs> oh, that balance. You, know, you said something earlier that, um, now, and now that you're talking about this, it's relevant for me to bring it back up. But like mm-hmm. you said something earlier about you're always looking for the next laugh. And you know what? I, every time, like yesterday, um, there was a situation with the iPad and I had to, my daughter wasn't supposed to do something and she did. And we had to have a talk about it. And right. before I went into her room to talk to her about it, I reminded myself it always, and it always goes best when you and her can find a way to laugh mm-hmm. in this hard moment. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, so I went in and we had a hard talk, but I always find a, wa- a way to make her laugh or to laugh together like mm. in it sometimes it's like by making fun of myself right mm-hmm. like you know the bumbling parent that's just unlike so and yesterday it was I was like you know what Riley I when I was nine I didn't have an iPad I have never you're I've never parented a child with an iPad before like you know mm-hmm. and I'm, I am just I am trying to figure this out and like we were just kind of like we made mm-hmm. we were laughing at me just being like the bumbling parent trying to like figure this mm-hmm. out with her you know um and mm-hmm. oh gosh I even remember when um I first told her that um Santa wasn't real and the Easter Bunny wasn't real mm-hmm. um gosh I'm gonna have to go back and edit it and make sure that I add in a if your child is listening <laughs> while you're yeah. listening to yeah this, I'm about to talk about some holidays I'll go back and I'll make that edit but um when we had that conversation um, I was, I was so scared that we were going to lose the magic, that it was going to be really hard, but I knew she was ready. And you know what? At the end of the day, we started laughing. We were on the floor laughing about, like, I was like, Brad, can you picture a big giant bunny, the little giant with its little bunny hands carrying around a billion baskets around the world? And she was rolling on the ground laughing. 
were laughing Aww. together. And it was just it brought what I was what I was Dark. so worried was gonna be this really hard conversation that was gonna mm-hmm. take away the magic. And it was connecting and we were laughing. And so Oh, that's whenever- beautiful. I try to go into these harder parenting moments now that my child is mm-hmm. older, um, you know, nine years old, older, that like, is there a way that even in these hard conversations, we can find a way to connect, whether that's wow. with laughter, whether that's with me sharing my, a story about an experience I went through where I, so I could relate to her experience mm-hmm. um, while, of course, leaving room for the fact that hers might be totally different, but just laughter, you know, mm. it's, yes. it's such connecting thing it's it's the it's such good medicine when we can find it right. you know it is it really is and that's applicable to almost everything in life right I mean in our mm-hmm. marriage as well you know and realizing yeah. that it's just dynamic and so is motherhood it's dynamic yeah. it's yeah. ever-changing and you know I tell you my culture we're very much about giving advice and sometimes it's usually when you don't even want it so I've I've had to really learn like not to just give unsolicited advice. But our last, I guess it was a few years ago, we lived on base and it was the first time we've ever lived on a military base before. And so the kids are running free and they, you know, I mean like literally the moms would find their kids by putting a Facebook alert like, hey, can you send Jimmy home? And it was like living in the 1950s. And I was just so in awe with that. I was like, I loved that concept, you know, and you'd be at the end of your driveway. I was like the Pied Piper. I'd sit at the end of the driveway. The kids would come over and they'd tell me all the things, like things I didn't want to know about their parents as well. (laughs) And and I remember like there was one of the, you know, and I'd laugh because my kids are grown. And so I'm like seeing some of the things parents would be making and I'm like, yeah, I remember that mistake. And I'm like, yeah, that one's going to bite her in the butt. But I wouldn't say anything. So then I had a friend and she has three kids and her husband, I think he was deployed. Yeah, he was deployed at the time. And these girls, they were older, like maybe like Riley's age um, was the youngest. And then the others were a little older. And she was like that they had to be inside of the house by five o'clock every day. Mind you, this is the safest community. We don't even lock our doors. Like it's insane, unheard of in the United States. And I was like, so why do they need to be home by five? Like, I just wanted to know again where she was coming from. She was like, I just... I just want them home. And I was like, oh, okay. And she's like, why? And I said, no, I was just wondering. I, I didn't know you. All the other kids were outside playing and it was like such an earlier time for them. Mm-hmm. And so then she she asked me at another time, she was like, Elsa, like if you could do things differently. I said, well, I would make sure that they, they didn't have to be home by five. Like, <laughs> And it was so funny because she started laughing too. She was like, I, know, I don't know why I have them come home at five. I'm like, it's a control issue but they're good mm. girls and they're outside playing, which away from, you know, the technology that we want them to be. I'm like, so maybe like set up different boundaries. I was like, but you know, whatever works for you. And she was so thankful. But again, it was her soliciting the advice, you know, and anyway, so that's, it was a good, yeah. it was a good ending. And, and she gained perspective as well. And she's like, if you ever see me doing something that's kind of weird, like with my girls, cause she really like, and I'll, I'll preface it or I'll come back and say, she was pleased with the way I had raised my girls. I mean, yeah. granted, there's so many mistakes I made, but she was like, what can I do? So then my girls would, and I was like, well, maybe like talk to them. Like, you know, that whole, yeah. because I'm your mother and I said, so yeah, that does not, you cannot do that these days. <laughs> that does no. not work at all. <laughs> No. because that kid is seen it on social media. They're taking it to school and like, what? And then you create in this riff, you know, with your kids and you want them to still 
talk to you. You want them to be independent and make their own decisions. And this was just one way. I was like, I don't know, maybe ask them or maybe they want 30 minutes longer. It was like they were always being pulled away from their friends like because that's like just as the friends were getting done with their homework. You know what I'm saying? So it was just really interesting um, to see that. And it brings me to that whole community. And Mm -hmm. I was very much about a community raising my girls as much as possible being in the military, but like with the friends I had. And sometimes the comparison would get in the way. But for the most part, it was like we were rearing them together and we were collectively seeing things that worked and things that didn't work. And it was okay because truly it was almost like having your own reference book, right? Amongst your, your um, peers. And that's how it used to be back in the day, right? When women had babies, all you had to do was really nurse them because you needed to get your rest to really, you know, gain clarity. I love that idea. I mean, anyone that can get that, that's a phenomenal concept we've gotten so far from that you know and i actually so i love i love how our conversation has touched on so many other past episodes that people can kind of if they want to dive deeper into that topic they could go and listen because i have a episode all about um sorting through the noise and community um and like building that community because mm-hmm. i think you know in our especially western society we've come so far from that and it's obviously with the pandemic it's been i feel so i feel so much for the the parents who are going becoming parents for the first time during this mm-hmm. time where it's so hard to find the the connections you have to just be a lot more creative and building those communities but i think that to be so intentional about building community but also the the quality and the ingredients of that community mm-hmm. right where we feel like we can show up with vulnerability that we can mm-hmm. lean on each other that we can show up and without the judgment right and obviously that's not no community is ever going to be perfect but mm-hmm. when there are difficult moments or you're feeling judgment or you're mm-hmm. feeling that that it's a community that you can name it right mm-hmm. you can right right experience and right. um and then like like you were saying earlier lean in listen to each other mm-hmm. understand the context understand the stories behind the situation right. oh, i think that, that that is what we need more of and you don't need to take their advice you just listen you know but those that are giving it as well, remember where that mom is in her life as well. You know, is she ready to receive? Like, don't just go give your unsolicited advice. Not at all. But she asked me, like, she genuinely was like, I like the way your girls turned out, blah, blah, blah. What things do you, did you find that worked? And I was yeah. like, well, <laughs> I found this. Now, plenty. I can go back and tell you the things that didn't work that I'm paying for now. And I'm like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done. <laughs> so, you know, it, we just learn and we grow and we just have to be accepting, really, right, of, of our decisions mm-hmm. and own them, right or wrong. So I really... You know, this has been, I feel like this conversation with you, for me, and I hope the listeners feel the same way, but I feel like it's just been like a big, warm embrace and hug. Aww. Like you've just like hugged me through this whole conversation is what it feels Aww, like. And so I'm so grateful to have been able to have this conversation with you. I'm so um, grateful and excited to be able to share it with others. And can I'm you sure. share a little bit about where people can find you and... Um, connect with you off of this episode. Sure. So you can find me at underscore happy go curly. If you type in happy go curly, I should pop up. And 
if you have a heart, I'm the one with the curly hair, big hair. Um, <laughs> blog coming soon for sure. I'm definitely Great. working on that. But yeah, for right now, it's just really on on Instagram and, and Pinterest too. You know, I dabble here and there. But yeah, hey, you're the non Pinterest mom that can I'm show the non. <laughs> you're exactly right. <laughs> and I provide a very safe, come as you are. You're accepted just as you are. That's the space that I've tried to cr- create out here in this world. Is like it's okay. You you're great just the way you are. So I just want women to feel empowered and feel good about themselves. So thank you for having me. Oh, that's that's let's you know what we're gonna wrap it up on that. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Elsa. I'm so grateful to have had you on the podcast. Thank you, Cassidy. It was fun. You've been listening to Holding Space Podcast. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to hear when new episodes air. Looking for more support? I teamed up with a board-certified OBJN to bring you two e-courses for expecting and postpartum parents. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Thank you so much for inviting me into part of your day today. I'm so grateful, and I hope you have a beautiful, wonderful rest of your day.